Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. Wow, well, this is going to be amazing. Y'all don't know what you're in for. Uh, I didn't know what I was in for. I spent the entire 9 a.m. gathering on the floor right there, face down. I really did the entire thing um, after this point. So, yeah. Anyway, last week I got a very awesome text message while I was preaching at the 1115 gathering. A text message from my friend Brian. He said, hey, I'll be in Tampa next week. Do you, can I come speak? If, I'll speak if you want. I'm like, yes. I almost interrupted my sermon through texting back. But I didn't. I waited. Self-control, you know. And um, he'll explain a little bit more about that. But Brian and Candace have been in ministry over 40 years. They've been missionaries in Panama. They are the lead translators of the Passion Translation. Anybody love the Passion Translation? Oh, yeah. We're kind of a big, we're big fans, you know. Um, And so there's just so much in them. And they're apostles, prophets. They're they're the whole shebang. They've pastored churches. You all don't know, but... Uh, that's my, my Papa Brian. He, he, that's one of my spiritual fathers, you know. And that's why you all are okay, because I have amazing men like that who guide me, correct me. I'm able to be like, hey, is this, is this true or heresy? He's like, mm, a little bit of both. Try this. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, he helps me. He keeps me on track because I'm just a wild one, you know, and I need a little bit of, I need some rails sometimes, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the way the kingdom's supposed to work. Supposed to lock arms, multiple generations, multiple age, you know, wisdom, you know, all of that. So you all are extremely blessed weekly, daily because of this, these two. But today you're going to be blessed directly. So would you stand to your feet and welcome Brian and Candace Simmons really, really loud, really, really loud as they come up. Come on, come on, come on. All right. Have a seat in the heavenly realm. Thank you so much. So uh, what happened was we were in L.A. last Sunday, like right now, and in worship. And Caleb, Pastor Caleb, came before me. And I, you know, I didn't know whether to cast it out or, <laughs> or what. And then I went back into this very deep place of intimate worship, and then again, uh, I touched his spirit. So I knew that uh, when things happen in tandem like that, doublets, it is prophetically, it means it's going to happen right away. Uh, So I texted you in the middle of worship there, I think, and I said, you know, we're going to be in the area seeing family. Is it possible uh, that I speak? Because I felt like God was sending me here. And indeed, I do. We, we continue to feel that way, that the Lord sent us here uh, for this service. So you're in a God-ordained moment. If you don't like God, this would be the moment to leave right here. Because he is going to show up and do some things, phenomenal things. Yeah. So we, we have some things we want to release from the Lord, especially your pastors. And by the way, I want to thank the worship team and all of the team here for letting me kind of barge in like that. Uh, Where is Dennis? Broski, I'm telling you, you bring it. 
We love you, Dennis. Give him a hand, would you? He's amazing. Yeah. So, Dennis, I just feel like you have a deliverance ministry, but not like anybody else. You don't have to try to have a ministry. You just sing and people get delivered. So the Lord is just going to give you songs like that during worship, and you're just going to burst out, and people everywhere are just going to be delivered from the enemy. You mean he doesn't have to say, I bind you, foul spirit. He doesn't have to do that? No, he doesn't. And you don't have to try to get people to throw up either. Yeah, no barf bags. I mean, bring it, man. Wow, wow, wow. You're, you're, you're really amazing. I'd love to get to know you. You're a wonderful, mighty champion for the Lord. And you haven't seen anything yet. Your best days are coming. And I, I went into your future, and I saw some wonderful things taking place in your life. Yeah, the key of David is bending time. So that went right over some heads right there. But So my wife, uh, by the way, I, I think I'll mention it now, but... Uh, we were here the first weekend of December, and you were so kind to host us, and it was just a wonderful time. But not long after that, I became what my doctor called a long hauler. I contracted COVID and uh, didn't leave the house for weeks, over a month, except to go to the hospital. I was really, uh, I had a brush with death, and it was just some pretty dark things, you know, and my wife uh, was at my side and was praying for me, and many of you also likewise prayed for me, but uh, this last week is the first time publicly we've, we've ministered since then because of some health issues, and um, so I'm getting out of breath right now, so you better take the microphone. <laughs> so I saw this morning during the worship uh, first service, I saw the walls blowing out of here and I heard the Lord say that this isn't just it's not just going to be this place every place you get an extension the Lord's going to blow those walls out and you're not going to be able to stay in here you're going to go out I just saw you all going out and uh, whatever you have take it out there and release it because uh, God's going to do great things with you he loves to multiply he's not an adder he's a multiplier so get ready to be multiplied out going out to the nation. So I saw a phoenix arising out of the dust last night, and I, uh, and that means a phoenix is one that rises out of the ashes of its predecessors, and it was sort of a, it's sort of a new birth thing. But I felt like the Lord said, it's not exactly who you are. You're not rising out of the dust per se, but out of the dust of his glory. And I saw the Lord releasing the glory dust uh, I had a dream about glory dust, and it was coming out of my hair and my hands. And so the Lord's just releasing the glory. He's going to release it from you. And as he does, you're just going to rise up, and there's going to be all kinds of new things that are going to happen. And so not only are you, going to, are you birthers in this place, but you're also dreamers. And the Lord said, because of where you get your strength and because you rest in him, you're going to be finishers. You're not going to be those that uh, are dream and don't finish. And you're going to finish well. And so the Lord's going to use you to accomplish many things that you've ever thought of before. And yeah. I felt the Lord just say, be open for a microsite. Is that what you call it? In Phoenix. Amen. She saw Phoenix. 
And so the Lord said, this is your, uh, your secret, and you all know this verse, but it's Galatians 2.20, and I'm going to read it again because, like I said this morning, you know it upside down, inside out, in every way, but this is who you are. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives, but the nails of his cross crucified me with him and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me we live in union as one my new life is empowered by the faith of the son of god who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine not only does it come into you but it goes out of you and the lord said you have been co-crucified co-buried co-risen you're co-living you're co-inheriting Co everything, like uh, Winnie says, drink your cocoa. And so then I had a, also had a word for Caleb and Pastor Caleb, and we're going to prophesy over these two, so we want them to come up. Are you? So... Uh, congregation, would you stand and stretch your hands toward this couple that you love? You do love them, right? Okay. <laughs> good. We're, we're good. Everybody say, the Lord bless you. And we bless you. We thank you for your leadership. We accept the authority on your life to speak into our lives. We recognize you as a spiritual leader that will bring us closer to Christ. So I just feel like God brought us here for a couple of reasons. And one of them is this moment right now to say over the two of you that you've been divinely chosen to establish multiple churches and to spearhead a move of God that never ends. A move of the Holy Spirit that will result in stadium Christianity. And the nations running to Jesus. And great healing in the hearts of, of men and women. And your marriage is going to be a prophetic sign. Your beautiful family is going to be a prophetic sign. I think God brought mom and dad here today as a sign as well. Were you, this, you just randomly came today? Is that it? You were rarely in town, but they're here. And that we just want to call forth the apostolic anointing. And we're going to use the little a, okay? Little a doesn't mean that it's not a big anointing. It's just that uh, you, you understand what I'm talking about, that there is a leadership gift and calling on your life that's going to multiply from today forward. And we release the apostolic fire on your soul and the mothering of the Holy Spirit that's going to bring great grace. What I saw in your future was you and Caleb writing a book on spiritual parenting, but it's going to be raising kids in the spirit. It's going to be both, you know, raising spiritual champions like Dennis and others, but it's really going to, it's going to be a hook to, to raise up parents that will train children in the spirit. And great fire, blessing, and glory is going to be over you. There will be a sign from heaven over your home within the next seven days to confirm this calling on your life. A mighty move of God is going to be released through the two of you 
And God brought us here to prophesy that. And I saw other leaders calling you and said, uh, they're calling you and saying, come over and help us. We need some help. And I saw you going in and you're setting things in order in other churches as they need to need the help. But I heard from the Lord last night that uh, you, Caleb, activate every promise. And that's how the rest, resting place was birthed and how these other places were expanded because Hebrews 4.3 is who you are. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. And I heard the Lord say, that's why he said, I named this place the resting place. And the Lord said, there's just, you haven't seen anything yet. You will accomplish way more than others who strive because you move from a place of confident rest. You accomplish more than you've ever hoped for, dreamed, or imagined. And I heard the song, uh, I will follow him. I will follow him wherever he may go. And near him I will always be, for nothing can keep me away. He's my destiny, and I will follow him ever since he touched my life. I knew there isn't an ocean too deep, a mountain so high, that it cannot keep me away from this love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I want to prophesy over Jamadi too. And I saw you, Jamadi, as a, as a, like a, oh, warrior princess. And soon to become warrior queen. And I saw you going into the nations and prophesying over the nations. And I saw you as a Deborah running into the battlefield and not afraid, not shrinking back, not afraid to say what the Lord was saying, even when it caused difficulty. But you would speak the truth of the Lord and like an arrow, you would shoot it into people's hearts and they would be changed and delivered. And I saw your love for uh, the, the peoples of the nations, like a mother, like a Deborah for Israel. I saw you a, a Deborah for the nations with your love and your instruction and your wisdom and wise and counsel for others. Jesus name. Everybody give a hallelujah shout, would you please? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Candace. And I'll let you all have a seat. Oh, I forgot another prophecy. Um, you're moving. About 18 months. And we're starting a building fund as of right now. And I'm going to give a $500 check. But I gave 500 so that's 1000 uh, I want to start the building fund. And this building one day will be your office building. And all the books we have that are left, uh, please go to the book table and purchase a Bible or one of the books, all the money from the book table today is going to the building fund. So you're sowing into your own future as you buy one of those Bibles. So, yeah, love you. All right. And I want to give a blessing, a special blessing to, there's somebody here, um, let, let's see, I'm going to prophetically narrow it down. I may get to call out your name. You're under 100. You're a male or female. You have to say that anymore, you know. Um, you're single. 
and you've you and this is uh, this is not embarrassing at all it's just truth you feel like a spiritual orphan you feel like an orphan that you haven't been parented and the lord has a blessing for you so who is that it's you okay could you come on up sweetheart i'll come back there that's okay i'm i'm younger than you anyway so I need my Fitbit to get some more steps. <laughs> What's that? I was just writing about that this morning. Wow. What's your name? Vanderly. You probably wouldn't have heard that. <laughs> I'm getting the name Vanderly. Is that it? <laughs> and your address is 123 Main Street. <laughs> God bless you, sweetheart. That's a blessing from us to you. Jesus' name. Okay. All right. I, I've given the money I've got in the book, so I don't, I'll give you some time. How's that? The rest of you. So put your hand over your heart. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open up deeper, deeper places in our heart that we didn't even know were there to taste and see and experience the depths of of your endless love, in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm gonna take the remaining time and share with you about the fire of God's love. The fire of God's love. There are many kinds of fire, spiritually. There is the fire of holiness. Isaiah chapter six, got a coal of fire from the altar. The seraphim, which by the way, seraph or seraphim means burning ones. So a burning one took a burning coal from the altar. That coal is what's left after the fire is gone. And that coal is the finished work of Jesus. It's a finished work, but it still burns. And he took that and brought it to the prophet Isaiah. And with sizzled lips from that moment on, Isaiah began to speak of the power and love of God to his nation. Before chapter 6, all he could say was, woe unto you. Woe unto you. He has six woes in chapter 5. Six different woes. But in chapter 6, he pronounces a woe upon himself. He says, woe am, woe am I. Woe is me. For I'm the one with unclean lips. And I hang out with people with unclean lips. And God, from that day forward, from that throne room encounter, captured him in the fire of holiness. There's the fire of divine passion. God's ministers are not to be ice cubes. They're to be flames of fire. The church is not meant to be a freezer or refrigerator. We're meant to be a fireplace where we stir up the coals and the embers. And those that their hearts are growing cold, they come into the hearth of God's company here. And, and, and first love passion flares up again. And, and we ignite one another. Jesus said, I wish there was a fire already kindled on the earth. Well, that fire has been kindled in the hearts of lovers, divine lovers that are caught up in the spirit to love him with all their heart, with all their strength, with all their passion. And the future is held by the passionate. And it's whoever is the most passionate is going to grip the future and bring it into the now. And there are many people passionate for darkness in this world. And we've got to be those that are passionately in love with the light of God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can amen at any time in this Presbyterian church today. 
The highest level of God's glory is found in the fire of his love. It kindles a flame. The Aramaic word, when Jesus said to Peter, he, three times he said, Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, Peter, will you start a church for me? He didn't say, Peter, will you preach a sermon for me or write a song or write a book? Or He said, Peter, do you love me? Three times he said it in Aramaic. And the Aramaic word is huba. Huba means to love passionately. But it is an Aramaic homonym. It has a, you know, another meaning to that word. That's, it's built on a, a root system, a consonant root system. Of the Semitic languages are homonymic languages. So Aramaic also, the word huba also means to kindle a fire, to light a fire. So what Jesus was saying is, do you burn with love for me? And Peter said, well, you know, I like you. <laughs> Little lame, Peter. Let's do this again. You know, repeat. Peter, do you burn with love for me? Lord, you know, I really like you. <laughs> Third time, Peter sinks his knees into the sand. I would love to be able to consult the chosen and help him out on some of these things. He sinks to the sand. He says, Jesus, I will burn with love for you. And indeed, Peter did. He not only established churches, he left two amazing letters for us. First and second Peter, it's the same Peter, two letters. <laughs> and, you know, Peter was eventually uh, an extra biblical account of his martyrdom. Uh, Nero was killing Christians right and left. And Peter ran from Rome and was a few miles outside of the city running for his life when Jesus stood before him. The resurrected, exalted Jesus and said, Peter, where are you going? Peter said, I'm going to go back to Rome and die for you. Indeed, he did. He was crucified upside down. He said during his execution, he said to the executioners, turn the cross upside down. I'm not worthy. I denied him three times. I'm not worthy to be crucified the way he was crucified. And because of their veneration of this old saint, they turned the cross upside down. Do you burn with love for him? The disciples on the road to Emmaus. By the way, Emmaus means burning place. The place of burning. All of us are on the road to the place of burning. Until you're highly flammable. You burn really well. And to burn with sacred passion for Jesus Christ is your holy, holy destiny. And those disciples, you know the story. It says their hearts burned within them as he spoke. And may the Lord speak to you today. May there be a voice inside my voice that after I drop the microphone and get off the platform, you're still hearing the word of the Lord speaking, thundering into your soul. God wants you to burn with sacred desire, with holy love, not just for a day, a conference, a weekend, a wonderful encounter, but all the rest of your life to burn with sacred flame for him. That's your calling. That's who you really are. You're meant to 
represent him as a sacred lover of God. In John 17, fantastic chapter. I hope you'll read it through in the Passion Translation, but I want to focus on one verse. It's verse 23. And it says that you live fully. This is Jesus praying the night before he's crucified. He's praying to the Father, and we get to hear his prayer. There's nothing more sacred. You're in the Holy of Holies here. I mean, take off your shoes, bro. I mean, this is, we're, we're before the burning bush. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, my disciples, that are all sleeping while I'm praying, so that they will experience perfect unity. That's what's going to happen in, in May 2023. 20, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. Why? They'll see that you love each one of them with the same love that you have for me, the same passionate love. Let me help you with this. God loves you with the same love he has for Jesus Christ. Let's try it over here. Let's say it in another way that I know you'll grasp. God does not love Jesus Christ any more than he loves you. That's intense. With the same passionate love that he has for Jesus. Somebody tell me how much the father loves his son. Are you kidding? I love my son. I got two beautiful daughters, one living in Pinellas County, and I've got, we've got one awesome son. But I'm telling you, the father loves Jesus. What is there not to love about him? He's altogether lovely. That's the love he has for you. I mean, this will, if you have a wig, it'll flip on this. That's the love he has for you. It's intense. Just because you've read the Bible doesn't mean you know about this love. Because the Bible says the height, the width, the length, the depth. Who can understand? Who can comprehend the depths of his love? It's past finding out. It's beyond knowledge. Knowledge can't reach and grab it. It has to be received as a flame in the spirit. Only spirit life can envelop this love. Our minds can't catch up and let it, let it aside. You know, your mind will get in the way. Go by the heart. Go by your, I'm going to break a taboo here. Go by your emotion today. Whoever lied to you and said, don't go by emotions. I mean, you, you can't divorce the emotional part of you from the life God has given you. Because Father God gave you a, a glimpse of his emotions and passions by giving you emotions that will fall in love, that will be disturbed when something painful happens to someone else. That, that you know, you, you, you feel the ache and the pain of someone that suffers from disease or is trafficked or is abused. Why? Because God's given you that. So God wants to bundle up your emotions and he wants us to present them to him. It's not that he doesn't want you to go by them. He wants you to offer them back to him and sanctify our hearts and our passions. So I hope every one of you feelers out there will get set free and realize that God made you that way. 
There's no way I could tell my gorgeous wife, you know, I don't have any emotion for you. I'm not going to go by emotion anymore. Oh, no worky in my house. I mean, I, it's kind of nice to have a little anniversary present, a little birthday present, you know, a date night and smoochy. Well, never mind that. Get out of here. Quit. Another scripture I want to lay on you, Zephaniah chapter 3, and I really felt impressed by the Lord to share this verse. The Lord your God is within you. The text can actually be with you or within you. The mighty one will save you. He's mighty to save. He sure did. To, he was mighty to save me. And it says he will rejoice over you. Can you, can you grasp and receive a God that rejoices over you just because you woke up today? Your eyelids fluttered open and he says that that's all you need to do to make me happy. And then when you understand what the Hebrew word for rejoice is, it's to spin like a top and twirl and dance. Don't make me go there. My back's a little sore, but the, the dancing, spinning, twirling, kicking up his feet, God that rejoices over you. And you're going to be unmoved by that? Dude. Come on, even Lutherans can receive this. He rejoices over you. And he will sing. Oh, I left out a line. He will rest. You will rest in his love. You will rest in his love. The actual literal Hebrew text is he will rest you in his love. He will rest you. <laughs> oh, rest me, Lord, rest me in his love. He will sing and be joyful about you. That's powerful. The father wants us to pour out our love on his son. I wasn't there in eternity when the father and the son and the spirit and their divine by the way, they, they invented small group microsite. You know, they, they, are, they are small group ministry. They're cell group. And Father, Son, and Spirit with the, the interpenetration of their love for one another. The, the dance around you, God, pericoresis of the celebration of, of who they are to each other. And the Father saying to the Son, it's not good for the son of God to be alone. Let's find a bride and share this divine dance. And the father says to the son, are you, are you willing? And he says, I will give me a body and I'll do it. Father says, she'll be worth it. You will love her and she will love you. And the, the romance of the ages will take place within the Trinity as a bride is brought into the triune essence. As a holy partner to the Son of God, what mysteries surround the bridal theology of the Bible? And you know, Kala, the last word Jesus spoke on the cross, 
tetelestai in Greek, which is simply the word finished. But Jesus didn't speak Greek. We already have Jesus on the cross saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is not Greek. Jesus' last word on the cross was kala. Kala means finished. But it's a homonym that has another meaning. And I want you to come to Israel with us in October. Oh, come you will. And we'll ask any Hebrew speaker, you pick them, ask them, what does kala mean? Even though it has the meaning of finish, the predominant meaning is not, it's a secondary meaning. The predominant meaning of kala, what is it, Vicki? Bride. Bride. Then he gave birth to her. Blood and water. Moms, blood and water came forth from his womb. And he gave birth to the heavenly Eve. We all have our genesis in the wounds of Jesus Christ. He's placed us in the cleft of the rock. And within that place of a wounded heart of love, we become lovesick worshipers. Where nothing else, dead doctrines can't do to our soul. What Jesus love does. You know, and, I, and I've studied theology. I guess I'm a theologian. But the fire of his love is what moves the heart. People can, will not be convinced by your sermons. But they can be won by your tears. And this love theology is throughout the Bible. And God wants it to be throughout his bride. So the father says, not only will your bride move your heart with her beauty, but she will love you with an eternal love. Trust me, son, it will be worth it. And son says, I, I can't wait. Uh, let's get Gabriel. Let's go tell Mary I'm coming. And the episkiazo, the overshadowing, the Greek word, God overshadowed this 13-year-old girl, pure, beautiful girl devoted to the Lord. And an embryo came within her. It was God, the Son. And you carry, like Mary, the same Christ today. And he's being formed within a bride, a lookalike partner that will be radiant and perfect and gorgeous in every way. By the way, here's what I found out about God's love. God's love isn't out looking for the beautiful people. God's love makes people beautiful. It is a beautifying love. It fastens on the soul and puts intrinsic value, worth, and beauty within that heart. He extends his beauty upon the bride. And our beauty from the Song of Songs, oh, how beautiful or lovely, it comes not from looking in the mirror, but from looking into his heart. And the heart of God for us makes us worthy, fit for a king. That's who you are. 
even the people you don't like. He's going to enthrone with him forever. Get over it. A lot of people you don't like will be there. How did you get here? Well, that's, I was about to ask you. Remember when, no, we're not even going to go there. The fire of God's love has to be fed. It must grow. And I have found since my brush with death, the one thing that has changed me is I'm taking communion every morning. I did early this morning before we left to come here. And I will have it set out before I go to bed tonight for tomorrow. And I'm trying to kind of do my day around communion. It's changing me. There's something about common union to have communion with Jesus in the early morning. I know you got to get up early on Monday. I know. Is Jesus worth it? And to find him in that sacred hour. You never look more beautiful than when you're with him. I got to meet one of my life heroes. Years back, we pastored, as Bernadette knows, a friend from our church in Connecticut that found out we were here and showed up to our pleasant surprise. We pastored close to Yale University. We had a wonderful church there. And uh, Richard Wormbrand was lecturing at the Yale Law School. And I found out about it and was able to work my way into the uh, auditorium. And there, for about an hour, I got to hear one of my life heroes speak. And guess what he spoke about? The love of God. Now, for those that might not know, Richard Wormbrandt wrote, he was a Romanian pastor imprisoned by the communists. And uh, virtually every bone in his legs was broken. I mean, he, they would, they did so many gross things. I don't even want to say them for the pulpit. What they did to this man, what they did to his food, what, what they fed him. And, uh, but he, he loved. And he spoke about when they were breaking his leg, his ankle, beating him with rods. He said, every time they hit me, I felt love go to another level. I felt my love go to another level. And as he was saying this, his face literally glowed. A, a, a light began to shine from his face. And I elbowed the stranger next to me. And he said, yeah, I see it too. And then I got to meet him in the hallway afterwards. The story is told of, uh, I'm forgetting his wife's name, uh, Sabrina, uh, of Sabrina that would bring food and uh, thinking it would go to him, but ended up going to the guards and they ate her food and loved it. After he was released from communist prison, he and his wife were walking down the street and they saw the very prison guard that beat him. <laughs> Sabrina walked up and said, I understand you love my food. Why don't you come for dinner tonight? And I'll cook for you. Folks, the love has got to go to another level. 
we got to start embracing his love so that we can give it away. Did I mention Polycarp last time I was here? Uh, has anybody ever heard of the name Polycarp? Some of you, maybe. Good. Bible students, good Bible history. Um, every Christian needs to know the name Polycarp, and I will condense the story really short, succinct. He was the personal disciple of John, the John. The John that leaned on Jesus' breastplate, the high priest, okay? The John, the revelator, wrote five books of the New Testament. John, the beloved, discipled Polycarp. And he has given us some of the earliest post-resurrection writings uh, beyond the Gospels. And Polycarp was known for his holiness, his piety. He was a devoted man, so pure, sacred, everything about him was about Jesus. And he lived in Smyrna, Izmir, Turkey. And uh, Rome was threatened by his anointing. Can you imagine having such an anointing at the resting place that you, 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 know, you threaten the powers that be? Like Dennis is going to be a menace to the devil. <laughs> So, uh, I forget the emperor, it was either Domitian or Domocletian, maybe somebody can correct me, but uh, he dispatched Roman troops to go and bring him back to Rome where he would be martyred. The night before they got there, Polycarp had a dream, knew they were coming, and had prepared a feast and a vast table for them. And said, I knew you were coming. You've come such a long way. You rode such a far distance. Come and eat a meal and feast with me tonight. They did. And uh, they looked at each other and were reticent to arrest him because it would be this godly man's death. I believe he was 83, if I remember right. 80, maybe he's 85. They arrested him, took him. Oh, before he left, he said, before you... I will go with you. You don't need to tie me up. I'm fine. I know, I'm, I know what my destiny is. He says, but before you take me, could I have one hour to pray? And they gave him that hour out of respect. And that hour became two. And his, a glory came into the room and, and, and filled that very place. Very reluctantly, they mounted their horses and took off with this aged saint to his death. Before Nero, or before the emperor, Polycarp, he gave him one last opportunity to deny his faith. And Polycarp, I'm paraphrasing now, but, and you can Google all this, but he, he basically said, you know, for 80, these 83 years, I have loved Jesus Christ, and he has done me nothing but wonders. Why would I betray him now? Why would I deny him now? They uh, we're going to tie him to the stake. And Polycarp said, you don't need to tie me. I, it's okay. So he stood there and they lit the fire and the flame went over him and refused to touch him. The fire could not touch him because he was always already burning with a fire, a flame of God in his heart. The executioner ordered 
one of his men to take a lance and spear him through the flames, which he did, succeeded in killing Polycarp. But the wound of that lance, such amount of water and blood came out, it put out the fire. And then a visible dove flew out of his side in front of hundreds of people and flew into the sky. The sacred story of a lover of God. What would come out of you if you got speared? What a holy man. Let me quickly give you some uh, Hebrew words and then we'll go. Oh, I'm already out of time. Can I do this really, if I make it really quick? And I'm really sorry, moms and dads, about the kids because that's always the issue. We, we had four services on a Sunday, so I, I get it. Chesed is the Hebrew word that's found 248 times in the Old Testament. And uh, the NIV maybe comes as close as any translation, and it says loving kindness. The loving kindness. Isn't that good? Loving kindness. Like love and kindness put together. I like it. But there's a component to chesed that has not properly been translated, and it's really hard to even explain it in English But it, because we don't understand covenant. But God is in a covenant to us to love us. There is a covenant love that will not be broken. And were it to be broken, it would mean he's not God. So in a sense, God has to love you. And that if he stopped loving you, he would no longer be God. His identity is attached to the love that he has for you. It's covenant. Though the mountains tremble and, and crumble and be cast into the sea, my covenant of love will not be broken with you. I think that's Isaiah 54. But there is a passion in his heart. Covenant love. There's no way he's going to leave you. No way he's not going to finish what he started in you. And I know your life's a wreck right now. Yeah, I know the dysfunction at home and the career that's like what? You know, all these issues that are nothing but distractions. In all of that, God is going to come and he's going to confirm this covenant of chesed with you. And you're going to be loved beyond measure. And you're going to be a different person from today forward in Jesus' name. Racham is a similar word uh, in that it, it focuses on mercy. And I'll be translating it tender mercy or tender love, something like this. But racham is, is a powerful word. It's used dozens of times in the Bible. Actually, you find both of these words in the Exodus 34 passage where, where the Lord calls Moses up the mountain the second time after the commandments were all broken and the people messed up down below. And he calls him up the mountain the second time. And, and, and the Lord says, stood before Moses. And said, the Lord, gracious, chesed, racham. We go, what? The Lord, full of compassion, full of tender grace. This is when they broke the commandments. Dude, this was the wedding proposal for the bride at Sinai. It was him proposing to Israel. And yet he still said, my love is unbreakable. So I'm translating Hosea right now. I hope to finish chapter 3, God willing, tomorrow. Hosea. What love. I mean, she was Gomer. What a pile of love he had for her. 
That's her name. I mean, you know you're in trouble when you marry a woman named Gomer. But Hosea loved her, pursued her, even in spite of her adultery. And it becomes a picture, of course, of, of, of us and how we, oh, we love you on Sunday. And through the week, we kind of forget about you. But he'll still pursue us. Racham means tender mercy. You can be really glad that God is merciful. You know, the, the scripture, Caleb, that says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. If you look at the carefully, you'll find that what he's talking about is mercy. My ways of showing mercy are not your ways. Your, your, your mercy is like, really? My mercy is higher than the heavens. Guess what? It's new every morning. You woke up this morning and a mercy kiss came upon your brow. The favor and kindness of God greeted you this morning. Is anybody happy in this Baptist church that mercies are new every morning? Or would you rather he said, my mercies are old every morning? I call you an old creature in Christ. Singing on me an old song. Behold, I make all things old. New mercies. Rakam is a homonym. The other meaning, are you sitting down? The other meaning is womb. Womb. You see, God has womb love for you. Nowhere does it say God is our mother, but God made mothers. And we love our moms. We've lost both of ours. But the, the, the love a mother has of carrying something within you that is not you, but is forever connected to you. The life, the love, the mercy that flows to that baby within. That's how God loves you. That's how he sees you. And the nine months of your life, you know, we call it life. It's, it's a womb. And you're going to be born into your eternity. But during this womb life, he has a womb love for you. It's impossible for God not to love you. I don't care what you did, who you are, where you've been, and I'm going to make a scandal right here. Don't matter. Your flaws are not even relevant to God because your flaws Attract the grace of God. And if you could see this in, with divine eyes, and I promise I'll be done before sunset. Your flaws pull God's grace into your life. And, and, and it surrounds, a wraparound grace comes over your weakness. The thing you don't like about you. The thing you want changed. The weakness that seems to kind of cripple you through your life. Because mercy is a river that goes to the lowest place. A river always goes down. And so God's merciful grace is looking for the weakest part of you. And with a buoyancy of love, an effervescence of grace, he will turn that flaw, that, 
that weakness into strength. Your weakness is a portal into the divine strength of God. He has to love you. Nobody else may, but he has to love you. No, no, no. That's not the feeling at all. He has womb love for you. And Candace and I leave our love here for you. We, we thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for hosting us. And would you stand, please? A revival of love is coming. God has a plan to make you more loving than you want to be. This is why he puts people next to you that rub you. Instead of saying that they rub you, you need to say, I wub you. I wub you. When you start wubbing them, they're no longer enemies. They become friends. That's why he said, love your enemies, because you won't have any when you love them. Even those that put up nasty websites about you. You love them. And I bless them as I take communion every day. <sighs> oh, I love you. <laughs> I'm getting silly. Um, don't take the hand of the person next to you, um, but put your hand on your heart. I'm sure you have one. Jesus, make us lovers. Hippies that are wild in love with you, radical ones. That we would bust through love's limitations, the boundaries of religiosity. We'd reach out to those that are different, that may require grace to love them. But do it, Lord. Let the fire of your love baptize us now. Put a seal of fire over our hearts. A seal of love. Give me greater love. Please say those words. Give me greater love. Please give me greater love. Until I love like you. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.